Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. So welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And we're very pleased to have two return guests here on Butts and Guts. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Clinic's pediatric and adult colorectal surgery clinic, kind of a transition clinic here. And so we're joined here today by Dr. Anthony DeRoss, who's a pediatric surgeon here in Cleveland Clinic Children's, as well as Jeremy Lippman, who's a colorectal surgeon within the Digestive Disease and Surgery Institute. Jeremy's also the program director for general surgery here. So they are our co-directors of Cleveland Clinic's pediatric and adult colorectal surgery clinic. Gentlemen, welcome back to Butts and Guts. Thank you for having us. I know it's hard to believe, but a lot of our listeners out there may not go back to all of the old ones. So for those people out there that are first-time listeners, Anthony, let's start with you. Give us a little bit about yourself, You know where you're from, where'd you train, and how did it come to the point that you're ped surgery here at the clinic? Sure. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for having us. I have been at the clinic now for about six years and have been in Cleveland for about 10, uh, trained uh, in Pittsburgh and Vermont, and then ended up in Cleveland for a bunch of different reasons, but uh, have found it to be a great place to work and live and practice. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. And Jeremy, a little bit about you. Obviously, yeah. you're within the greatest department in the world in colorectal surgery. So. Yes. <laughs> I grew up in Pittsburgh and came to Cleveland about 15 years ago to uh, do residency and have been here ever since. I joined the department uh, three years ago. And it's been uh, fantastic. Well, that's great. And again, very, very glad to have you here. So today we're here to talk about Cleveland Clinic's pediatric and adult colorectal surgery clinic. So let's just go real big. Jeremy, we'll start with you. Give us the 10,000 foot view of what exactly that means. So a lot of patients, young patients, uh, unfortunately have to deal with adult diseases. And when kids have to deal with those diseases, uh, it can really span a couple of different areas of clinical work. So uh, what Tony and I have done is we work together to take care of these complicated patients who are very young. So Tony's expertise in pediatric surgery and my experience in colorectal surgery comes together to provide care for these people. Tony, what gave you guys the idea and give us a little bit of background about how this was created and how does it evolved over the time? Sure. It was actually started by a couple of different surgeons even before both of us were here. But over that period of time, we've uh, grown it and have tried to publicize it and worked closely with the gastroenterologists, particularly the peds gastroenterologists who end up seeking out surgical care for their patients after they have exhausted their medical options. And it's grown into quite a, a robust clinic with a number of different disease processes, mostly centered currently in inflammatory bowel disease, but uh, it spans the the realm of pediatric colorectal disorders from Hirschsprung's disease to rectal prolapse to chronic constipation that sometimes requires surgical intervention. And we we're trying to grow it into something uh, even bigger as we continue to accumulate patients. So let's start there. Let, let's just narrow it down for me. So when we talk about pediatric age patients, transition clinic, early adulthood, what are these age ranges that these patients get? And how early do some of these disease processes manifest themselves? Absolutely. Well, I'll just talk about inflammatory bowel disease to start with because that is the, the disease process that we see the most. So the age range can be as young as uh, four or five years old, uh, fortunately not usually too much younger than that. And it can range up to 21, but 
between 18 and 21, we start to think about transitioning these patients to the adult colorectal surgery realm. And that's a process that we try to facilitate for these patients to make it easier for them to navigate the different care areas that 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 transition requires. So Jeremy, walk us through a little bit. What's the journey that these patients take kind of to get into this path? Let's start there, actually. So how do they get to see you guys from there? And then what's a typical visit like? Yeah, so if you're a mom or a dad and dealing with this in your family, uh, the easiest thing is you can just call and schedule an appointment to come in and see us. A lot of times you'll go and see your pediatrician or your gastroenterologist, and they'll recommend that you come and see us because they feel like it's time to start thinking about surgical options or just want to introduce you to the idea of what surgery is like, have that conversation now before it's even needed, maybe even in the hopes that you won't need it. Uh, And then once you get an appointment with us, you come in and you'll see Tony and I at the same time. We've reviewed the records that have been sent over, so we have a good understanding of what's happening. We meet with you and your child and do the exam, get all the information we need. And a lot of times it can just be about information gathering. We talk to you about what surgery would look like, what this could be, so we have a plan in place so it's not a surprise if down the road it becomes necessary. So it's apparent to me, obviously, that I'm sitting here talking to two surgeons. Where do the medicine doctors come into play in terms of this type of thing? Have they already seen them and it's decided that surgery is a potential option for them? And then is there an opportunity to have some of the medicine doctors and specifically gastroenterologists if we're sticking on the inflammatory bowel disease scene? Oftentimes that's the way that it transpires where the patients will be working closely with their gastroenterologists. They've gotten close to the limits of what they can accomplish with medicines and non-surgical management of their diseases, and that's when they end up coming to see us. But there are occasions uh, where the gastroenterologists will just send them to us to talk about surgery, as, as Jeremy pointed out, so that they have an idea of what might be coming down the road. And that's really the optimal time to see these patients, not in the hospital when they're sick and they need an emergent surgery, but really it's nice to have a chance to meet with them and talk to them when they're still doing relatively well, but we think they might need surgery within the next month, two months. And occasionally we will have the gastroenterologist come actually to the clinic along with the patient. And so Jeremy and I and the gastroenterologist will see the patient together and have uh, an opportunity for the parents and the patient to ask questions and talk about what the different options are. You know, Jeremy, one of the things that strikes me is the fact that when we think about surgery, we think, hey, I, I met the surgeon once and somebody operated on me and years passed by and like, I kind of forget their name. But what we're really talking about here is a journey in some cases as a child. Can you talk a little bit about this? And like, I mean, you, you have these disease processes that may occur when they're children and you may start to see them multiple times over the course of their lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's nice that we see these kids sometimes when they're Uh, young and very sick and are able to make a difference and we're able to follow them and watch them grow and and recover and do well. Uh, It's definitely different than a lot of the adult patients that we take care of. So talk to me a little bit about the handoff to ensure like, you know, the tweener age or the teenage and then into early adulthood, especially those that may be even leaving home for the first time, going off to college or traveling away for a job. How, How do they not get lost within a system like this? So A lot of times they are seen with their parents and sometimes not if they are sort of at the beginning of adulthood and coming by themselves. 
Uh, we have a team that we work with of nurses and support people that help us to keep track of what's going on. Uh, Tony and I are in constant communication with each other for sure, but also with the gastroenterology team and the nutrition team and the psychology team and making sure that everyone's getting all the resources they need for these complicated problems. If you're talking about education aspect of it, what role do you guys play in terms of educating these patients in terms of their disease as they do this transition type clinic into early adulthood where they may be moving off or doing these other things? We do try to stress to them, especially in our older patients, the need for them to take ownership of their care, to keep appointments, to stay on their medications, to make sure that they have routine scheduled follow-up, for example, for patients who have had reconstructive surgery after a colectomy for ulcerative colitis and might have a J pouch. That pouch needs to have surveillance pouchoscopy every one to two years, depending. And we make it clear to them that they need to return. Or we try to make, some of these patients are coming from distances, we try to make arrangements for them to have that done closer to home if that needs to be done. But optimally, we like to have that done here, and Jeremy will do those, those scopes. And just in terms of education in general, uh, before surgery, Fortunately, Dr. Lippman is an excellent artist and he'll oftentimes draw pictures of the surgeries and what is to transpire and then gives the patient that artistic drawing to take home yeah, with them. Yeah, they can leave and put that on the fridge or scrapbook, whatever. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. So Tony, you know, I, I recognize the fact that we focus a little bit and you mentioned, let's circle back to something you talked about. We, as we talk about the different aspects of the type of disease processes that kind of occur, you mentioned inflammatory bowel disease, but can you go in a little bit more about those other disease processes that you are kind of evolving this, this transition clinic into? Sure. One of the things that I think is difficult for both pediatric surgeons and adult colorectal surgeons is, for example, a patient with Hirschsprung's disease who has had a resection of their rectum and distal colon and a pull-through procedure as a baby and maybe has had issues with constipation throughout their life, but it was manageable. And then suddenly it gets to a point where it's not. And that patient then, who is a older teenager, 18, 19 years old, comes to see an adult colorectal surgeon. And it's not something that the adult colorectal surgeons deal with on a routine basis. It's hard to decipher exactly what was done in the operative notes and those sorts of things. And that's where I think having the combined clinic has another important role where the different areas of expertise can come together to give those patients the best care we can work to figure out exactly what was done, what the issue is, and then if something reconstructive needs to be done further to help these patients, then we can put our heads together and come up with the best operative strategy. Jeremy, one of the uh, probably most scary things that's out there, especially for a child, is to, I'm gonna go to the doctor, and especially if you throw into it that I'm gonna go see a surgeon. So walk me through what a patient or a parent can expect. What's a typical visit like? Yeah, it is scary. Uh, for parent and for the kid for sure. So they come in and uh, they'll be in the room, they'll meet our nursing team first who ask a few general questions about health, just make sure the health record is up to date, uh, make sure we have all the information together. And then Tony and I will come in together and meet the family, get to know them a little bit, and then get the story about, make sure we understand everything about how their disease has progressed, what exactly is going on now, Find out what their goals for care are. What do they want out of this? Some people just want information. Some people are really ready for surgery and want to get that scheduled as soon as possible. And we try to meet them where they are. Uh, we're both really funny. 
and really nice. And so that makes it uh, pretty easy. Yeah, I can echo that last comment. And so, Anthony, you had mentioned some other things like tests and scopes and things like that. Is that is that part of that particular visit? When does that occur in all of this? Sometimes. Uh, you know, for follow-up scopes, it's interesting. A lot of the pediatric patients are used to having a general anesthesia to have their endoscopies. And when we see our older teenage patients, especially for pouchoscopies, uh, Dr. Littman's been able to do those in the office, which has been fantastic. So it, it occasionally is a part of the visit. And we've also had some patients preoperatively who have needed endoscopic evaluations occasionally that we've, we've then scheduled for the operating room. So yeah, it depends. So what's next uh, on the horizon for this type of transition clinic? Do you see it branching out to other multidisciplinary specialties? Or is there anything new that you're working towards that's going to continue to improve our patients' uh, quality of life and the care that they receive? Jeremy, we'll start with you. I mean, we have a a number of gastroenterologists who are already doing this uh, informally, and we're trying to get them all pulled in. We'd really like to make it much more convenient for the patients so that they can meet with the pediatric and adult gastroenterologists, the pediatric and adult surgeons all at the same time. Uh, nutrition is definitely a huge part of inflammatory bowel diseases, you know, as well as many of the other GI diseases. So we're working to incorporate that. Psychology, this is an incredibly difficult thing for the parents, for the patients, for the families to go through. We have those resources available here, so pulling those people in as well. Really trying to expand the clinic to be a holistic and complete service for people. The other amazing resource we have here at the Cleveland Clinic that's, I think, different from any other place that certainly I'm familiar with is our outstanding enterostomal therapy team. These folks are a resource that you just can't put a value on uh, for our patients. They have worked closely with all of our pediatric patients, both preoperatively with with marking for uh, a stoma if patients need to have that done, as well as dealing with the management of ostomies as they heal they will correspond with patients from uh, home if they live a distance away over the phone and give them options for their appliances when they need it. Those folks have just been, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and the patients appreciate everything they've done for our patients. Final take-home messages for our listeners. Uh, These are scary diseases. These are big diseases, but we have the resources to help people to navigate the system that can be very complicated and make it as easy as possible. I'll echo that. And we really try to focus on decreasing the anxiety about the whole process as much as we can for both patients and families. So for the listeners out there, they know I like to always wind up with some quick hitters, but since we got some repeat guests, I got some new questions for you. First, number one, (laughs) do you listen to music in the operating room? And if so, what is it? Uh, I try to use my iPhone and uh, I have a mix of different things, but I love the Beatles. So I usually try to have a little of that going. Jeremy? I do listen to music. If the patient doesn't have a preference for what they want, then I let the nurses pick. Keeps the room happy. And I'll go right back to you for number two. What was the first car that you ever had? Uh, Volvo station wagon. What year do you remember? What year was the car? Yeah. Uh, Somewhere in the 80s, let's say. Yeah, I had a Subaru (laughs) Justy. It was three cylinders, and uh, it was something in the 80s probably, too. I don't remember. 90s, maybe. Yeah, I don't even remember what that is. And so uh, <laughs> you a, don't want uh, to. <laughs> a particular food that you will, just will not eat. Uh, I don't like kale. Oh, that's such a hard question. Uh, I like kale, and I'll eat just about <laughs> anything. Kale is like a toothbrush for your colon, don't you think? It just moves right through. Yeah, I'll find another one. 
And then the last question is, is if you could go back in time and tell yourself, this is what you're going to be most proud of on your journey in medicine, what would it be? Oh boy. I think probably I'll just say that the thing that's most gratifying for me is just when a patient says, thank you. And I see them leave the hospital in better shape than when they came in. Yeah. Seeing the patients back doing well, that's incredibly gratifying. Well, gentlemen, that is absolutely great stuff. So to schedule an appointment within the Pediatric and Adult Colorectal Surgery Clinic, please call 216-444-8555. That's 216-444-8555. And for more information on specific colorectal disorders, please visit Cleveland Clinic's health library at clevelandclinic.org health. That's clevelandclinic.org health. Gentlemen, once again, thank you for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts. Butts and Guts.